0: Al Jazeera podcast. Isolated and under sanctions are Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un planning a meeting to cement their alliance. The Russian leader badly needs weapons for his war in Ukraine. But what can Pyongyang offer and how will the West react? I'm Imran Khan and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Let's meet our guests in Seoul, Young Young-chick Bong, a research fellow at the Yonsei University Institute for North Korean Studies. He's also an advisor to the South Korean National Unification Ministry. In London is Julie Norman, co-director of the Centre on US Politics at University College London. And in Moscow, Sergei Markov, former Russian MP and a former spokesperson for Russian President Vladimir Putin. A warm welcome to you all. I'd like to begin in Moscow with Sergei Markov. Uh, the Russians officially have actually said anything about this meeting the americans are making a lot of noise about this potential meeting what have you been hearing
1: uh i think uh, that uh, some uh, negotiation uh, happening uh, the uh the point for negotiation the platform for negotiation is uh, uh, for the deal is absolutely clear uh russia interesting to have uh, uh, shells Uh, because uh, this war shows that consumption of of shells are extremely high, and uh, North Korea has uh, a lot of reserves of shells uh, uh, for the possible war against uh, South Korea and United States uh, Army. So, the Russian army needs shells. uh, North Korea has shells. Uh, Also, possibly Russia will be interesting to have some of the workers from North Korea and uh, possibly some of the soldiers from North Korea. North Korea interesting about uh, uh, getting out uh, uh, sanctions against North Korea, uh, Also some military technologies and some agriculture. Uh, but Russia is uh, one of the be- main agricultural uh, superpowers in the world, so Russia can uh, feed uh, North Koreans uh, uh, very well. So it's uh, uh, the point for discussion. But also, uh, some of the interests should be taken account, not interests of the United States, because uh, more problems United States uh, have, better mm-hmm. for Russia. Also, no interest of the Japan and South Korea, should be taken an account because these countries uh, took part in the hybrid uh, sanctions war against Russia. But interests of China and interests in other countries, first of all, big powers, members of BRICS uh, and uh, members of Shanghai uh, Treaty Organization, possibly should be taken an account. First of all, interests of China. And uh, this is the point I think for the uh, negotiation. Also, uh, possibly some bargaining uh, because. Uh, was the equivalent of the uh, right. uh, uh, lifting of sanctions and uh, giving the shells. It's difficult uh, uh, to say, uh, to calculate it.
0: Well, let's make that point to our guest in Seoul, Young Shik Bong. Our guest in Moscow is saying that actually South Korea and Japan and the US don't really have a say in any of this. This is two sovereign nations doing a deal with each other. What do you think?
2: Well, uh, as two sovereign nations, so whatever will be negotiated decided between Russia and North Korea, it's uh, up to those two countries. And those two countries alone will be held responsible for the outcomes of any uh, agreements that's possibly forged between two supreme leaders of the country if the summit meeting is indeed uh, going to take place. Um, if Russia will provide advanced military weapon technology to North Korea, then it'll be Russia, not South Korea, crossing the red line first. Um, mind you that the Russian government already issued a warning to Yoon song yeol governor of South Korea that if South Korea will provide military weapons to Ukraine, then Russia will consider it as an official declaration of war to Russia and Russia will provide you know, military weapons to North Korea. But if Russia crosses the red line first, then South Korea will have free hands and Russia will be accountable for the outcomes.
0: Uh, Julie Norman in London, uh, it's a bit of a masterstroke on the part of Vladimir Putin. It's a deal that he's doing. There's very strict parameters this deal if it happens. However, uh, this is something that has the US concern, but there's not a huge amount they can do about it, surely?
3: Well, that's exactly right. You know, the U.S. has been watching this potential development of a closer relationship between Russia and North Korea for some time, and especially this potential movement of arms from North Korea uh, to Russia for for the war. Um, but you said it exactly. You know, the U.S. already has sanctions on North Korea. They've already backed UN sanctions on North Korea. So it's obviously not a state that they engage with that much to be able to have any kind of real leverage or right now with Russia either. So I think some in Washington are going to be watching um, China's movements with um, if and when this uh, relationship develops, how much Beijing leans, leans in or leans out of it, because they're really probably the state that has more leverage in this and definitely much more than the U.S.,
0: Uh, Sergei Markov, one of the things that's been brought up so far is this transfer of advanced weapons technology by Russia to North Korea. You didn't say that was going to happen. You talked about food aid, you talked about other types of aid, but you didn't talk about advanced weapons technology being transferred to North Korea. Do you think that might happen by Russia?
1: I think uh, weaponry to North Korea... uh it's not uh, north korea interesting uh, uh, to hear from russia but first of all uh, maybe some uh, examples uh, for the meaning technologies and uh, by the way the, the sanctions uh, against uh, north korea have been imposed uh, to stop uh, uh, nuclear military program of north korea and that's absolutely clear this this sanctions doesn't work so it's senseless. Uh, absolutely, uh, and uh, that why North Korea will now have uh, nuclear weaponry and they have uh, rocket missiles. Uh, so these sanctions uh, could be uh, taken, uh, getting out. Uh, without uh, no any uh, 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 negative results. Uh, But uh, uh, military technologies uh, will uh, help North Korea uh, to be more strong. And if there will be no sanctions, what reason not to give uh, uh, military technologies? um, uh, It will be a great uh, green light for the, uh, such exchange. And mm. North Korea, interesting uh, to have uh, military technologies to produce more weaponry, uh, to have more threat to the uh, South Korea, to the Japan, and to the United States. Uh, is it's problem. For Russia, not. It's even good, uh, because uh, uh, South Korea and Japan, uh, the junior partners of the United States, taking right. part in the... Uh, a hybrid war against Russian in, of all uh, levels. Uh, that's why more problems to the junior partners of United States. It's better for uh, uh, everybody uh, for whom uh, for whom uh, United States uh, is enemy.
0: Uh, Yangshik, that's not quite a green light to give advanced weapons technology to uh, North Korea, but certainly there's some wiggle room there to give some sort of Uh, weapons technology to North Korea. What does that do to South Korea? What's their response?
2: Well, South Korea's response to North Korea's continuous provocations and the weapon development has been strictly proportional. The key word here is proportional. So, if Russia is not going to provide uh, uh, core technology for North Korea to help develop you know, military satellites and uh, uh, nuclear-propelled submarines. Then South Korea's response, uh, uh, jointly with the United States and Japan, will be proportional. But if Russia stops at providing uh, North Korea only with food aid and uh, uh, invitation to trilateral military exercises with China, then that's not going to satisfy the urgent needs of north korea which has been mightily struggling to salvage its uh, failed economy and uh, which has been greatly delayed with its uh, ambitious plan to develop five major advanced weapons systems as it announced in the eighth party congress held in january 2021 so what russia is willing to provide north korea will not be satisfactory to Kim Jong-un regime of North Korea. So, there is a huge gap uh, between Putin government of Russia and the Kim Jong-un regime
0: of North Korea if
2: something meeting is going to happen.
0: Julie Norman, that gap that Youngshik talks about, that's a gap that we've seen before. Let's take, for example, the negotiations over the uh, joint comprehensive plan of action uh, between Iran and the US. Uh, When Donald Trump pulled out of that deal, Iran slowly but surely, raised uh, its stakes in the game by uh, enriching uranium to the point where they were really kind of pushing the US to see what they'd react to. Russia here could do the same thing. It could give, potentially, weapons technology to the Americans, and they could keep pushing it, keep pushing it, to the point, and then back away. The, the Americans, once again, you know, they're on the back foot here. So, other than... I mean, it's it's the, almost the same question, again, that I asked you earlier... Is there anything that they can do that can stop anything like this?
3: Yeah, it's a a good question, and you're exactly right. There's the short-term concerns right now for Washington in terms of just more uh, ammunition and artillery getting to to Russia for the war, but there are more of these long-term concerns as well, and especially this potential transfer of critical technology or critical um, knowledge to further develop North Korea's weapons systems. Obviously, the U.S. has been um, watching the acceleration of North Korea's um, testing lately. This is something that they obviously don't want to see. Um, In terms of pressures, right, I I imagine it will not be um, unlike kind of what we've seen in the past with Iran, where there would be different kinds of both international and bilateral pressures, especially regarding any kind of transfer of nuclear technology. Um, But at the end of the day, it will be difficult for the U.S. to control that. What we see them doing right now instead is, of course, just trying to bolster the relations with other partners in the region. Obviously, um, Japan and South Korea most prominently. Um, but in terms of direct pressure, um, it is a bit limited in where their leverage is right now.
0: Sergey Markov, um, the Russians have supported sanctions on North Korea in the past, particularly within uh, the UN Security Council. Is this now a complete change of position for Russia?
1: Uh, It's, I would say, not complete change, but uh, uh, sufficient and dramatic change. Uh, Look what happened. First of all, as already mentioned, Mm -hmm. these actions against North Korea doesn't work. Uh, North Korea already have nuclear weaponry, have rocket missile missile system, and developing and developing it. It's it's yours. Secondly, uh, we uh, understand that now, any agreement with Western Council is absolutely senseless. Because uh, uh, Western countries, first of all, well, United States, behave uh, as a uh, kurigan uh, as criminals uh, on international area, as they don't respect uh, uh, any uh, uh, their own signs in uh, some mm-hmm. uh, agreement. Uh, for example, Russia uh, got agreement on the uh, Great Deal, and what was the result? Russia followed this green deal, and Western countries completely did not. Before this, we had Minsk, one agreement uh, with Ukraine and in government, Minsk, two Agreement, and both of them uh, mm-hmm. collapsed because a uh, uh, puppet of uh, United States, a uh, key repressive regime, uh, uh, fully violated those agreements. So, what reason to have agreement with uh, Western countries? No reason. Russian descendant, more strong, it will be uh, more, uh, it's interesting, look at what happened with uh, military government in, in Niger, in Africa. Uh, it was a lot of demands to the, this right. uh, military uh, government of Niger, but Niger uh, uh, answered told them, get out, we will do what we want. And what is happening? no intervention, this uh, uh, Niger government respected. So, Russia come to the conclusion as a result. More we will respect only their own interests and we will uh, have no any agreement with Western countries, more our interests will be
3: respected.
0: Uh, Sarah, uh, sorry, Julia, I'm going to come to you in just a second, but I want to put that point to young sheik again. Listen, Sergei Markov says there's literally nothing you guys can do. This is... There's nothing. I mean, is there anything that you guys can do? And it's it's the third time I'm asking that question. I don't think there is, is
2: there? Well, that is why I emphasize the uh, proportional response as a key word that we have to pay attention if we uh, expect any type of response coming from South Korea, Japan, and the United States Uh, for any closer security partnership and possible weapon trade uh, taking place between Russia and North Korea. The response will be proportional. Uh, if Russia gives uh, advanced weapon technology and the uh, advanced weapon is uh, itself to North Korea, then a likewise response should be expected. Again, no country can force Russia, as a sovereign country, to do something it does not want. It's uh, truly Russia's own choice as a sovereign country. Uh, Likewise, Russia will be held responsible for the outcomes of its own action and decision as a permanent member of the Security Council of the United Nations, which happened to uh, vote in favor of passing all the resolutions against North Korea and other measures. So Russia is a sovereign country has all the freedom to make strategic choices, but responsibility will not disappear.
0: Uh, Julie uh, in London. This is where we're at right now. This is where we're at. We've got a a need for Russia to get the type of weapons that North Korea has in abundance, and that's effectively shells. That's the way that the Ukraine war is being fought right now. Uh, It doesn't have very many partners. It can get them because it shares, although a very tiny border with North Korea, it does have a border with North Korea. If you're in US politics right now and you realise that your choices are absolutely limited, as President Joe Biden, what are you going to be thinking? What are your options going to be in terms of really getting out in front of this and make and turning it into a thing? Or are you going to try and just sweep it under the carpet?
3: Yeah, I don't think it's something that can be swept under for the reasons that we've been discussing. And what we've seen so far is a strategy that the U.S. actually used in the early parts of the war as well, which was trying to get out ahead of a story and sort of um, expose uh, what might be happening before it actually happened. So U.S. intelligence wanted to kind of broadcast the fact that this meeting was likely going to occur, um, you know, forecasting what uh, some of the agreements might be. So that's part of the um, strategy right there is just putting it out in open. Um, you know, as other guests have said, these are two sovereign states. The fact that the U.S. can't um, change the decisions they're making is true, um, but the U.S. can obviously respond to the new realities and the consequences that they're going to be. And again, there are international frameworks and norms to, uh, you t- to stop some of these kinds of arms transfers. Um, Again, with that said, um, I think the U.S. right now is going to be doing their own bolstering of Ukraine with similar types of artillery and ammunition in terms of the war. And again, it is going to be trying to um, expand their own security and defense apparatus in the Pacific through their partners in the region as well.
0: I mean, Julie, that's very interesting, but the US has a habit of publicly saying there is a red line. Most famously, Obama said this about Syria and Syria's use of chemical weapons. Syria used chemical weapons. That red line seemed to have disappeared. It seemed to have moved slightly further north. I mean, yes, the US can supply Ukraine with similar weapons, but it's likely that they'll need to make a strong statement, and that strong statement is going to be some sort of red line. We've seen it in the past. Do you think that will happen again?
3: You know, I think, as you said, after Obama's comments uh, during Syria, I think everyone tries to avoid the red line terminology, so to speak. Um, But we have heard comments from uh, Washington already in the last 24 hours saying that there would be a price to pay if this kind of arms deal went through. Again, we're not sure exactly what that would actually be, Um, but this is you know language that we hear from Washington. I do think Syria was a lot different. There were a lot of different kinds of options that were on the table at the time that are, the U.S. is just a bit more constrained with these two, as we've said, these two distinct sovereign actors who the U.S. has very little relations with either right now um, for different reasons and so need to rely on different kinds of avenues. But their, their direct leverage um, is going to be difficult for this one.
0: Sergey Markov, are you worried that the U.S. is saying there might be a price to pay? Does that even concern Russia at all?
1: I don't get uh, the exact uh, sense of the question. Uh, Russia worry about what uh, United States can do. United States doing everything bad for Russia, which uh, United States can do. So United States, uh, you know, made, made dictatorship Junta, junta uh, to Ukraine, uh, which, by the way, just economists published be critical about political terror of this government. Uh, even economists published uh, the materials about mm-hmm. political terror, which uh, we, Russia, uh, told many all these uh, many years. You know, uh, United has killed, in fact, uh, uh, for something about 400,000 uh, Ukrainian uh, soldiers. Uh, they are Russians, by the way. Ukrainian yeah. uh, United States prohi- uh, 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 prohibited uh, using of Russian language, which is native language for the seventy-five percent of the population of Ukraine, which is uh, because they are Russians, in fact. And uh, what was United States uh, could do more?
0: Well, I think that's the general theme of this discussion, but I want to put a very quick point because we are running out of time uh, to Youngshik. Uh, Youngshik, you're part of the National Unification Ministry. We're about as far from that as ever before. But is there any leverage that South Korea has on North Korea? Is there back channels? Is there anything uh, that's going on right now that might point to another way out of this?
2: The uh, situation is not really right for any meaningful uh, communication between the two Koreas or idea of the content cultivation of economic cooperation. Uh, it appears that the Kim Jong regime is betting everything on the result of the upcoming presidential election in the United States, which will be November next year, hoping. Uh, its a favorite pre- U.S. president, Donald Trump, mm-hmm. is coming back, then all these sanctions, threats, and Indo-Pacific strategy, you know, uh, military uh, deterrence against North Korea might be quickly off the table. So until then, North Korea will not have any interest in cultivating dialogue and negotiation with South Korea or any other countries in that matter.
0: Uh- Julie, just a bit of a left-field question for you. Um, we hadn't really heard of a North Korea-Russian detente before. In fact, you know, North Korea was seen throughout Russia's history as a bit of a, a kind of a client state and a, something that was just more convenient than perhaps a trade partner. Has this come as a surprise to the U.S. establishment?
3: Um, you're right that this is a sort of turning of the tables uh, with Russia appealing to North Korea for, for the weapons and whatnot. Um, And just this kind of relationship is something that's definitely a shift from the past. With that said, again, the U.S. has been watching um, these movements closely really for the last year when it was um, indicated that North Korea might be uh, giving weapons at that time to the Wagner group. So it's been on the radar for a while, um, but as you noted, it's... uh, many in Washington are trying to frame this as it shows um, the the need of Russia right now to be looking at states like North Korea, looking at states like Iran, because their own um, weapons are depleting and because sanctions are working. I think that's a pretty optimistic spin on it. But realistically, they're seeing that, look, they're is it changing in some of the geopolitics right now, um, the closeness of Russia and North Korea, and especially if, um, again, if China leans into this for joint drills or for other kinds of cooperation, that's a kind of solid area that the US would not want to see. Uh,
0: Sego Markov, just very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. There is a practical element here of having to get stuff from um, Russia into North Korea. It's a very small rail line and a 17-kilometer uh, border. Is it possible that you can get that, this deal done in, on a practical level?
1: On a practical level, uh, Russia and North Korea has a common border. And uh, uh, it can be, the trade can be very easily... Uh, made of course it wouldn't be secret because uh, n- almost nothing secret in the uh, modern world. Uh, uh, but uh, this uh, this deal could be uh, implemented uh, without problems. Th- the problem is to make the deal because North Korea is a very unique mm-hmm. country which is uh, 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 has known so many deals with any countries. Uh, North Korea following own um, strategy and uh, uh, almost no experience of uh, the world to having some deal uh, with uh, North Korea government. So it's a problem. Is it possible at all? We don't know yet.
0: I want to thank all our guests, Shik Bong, uh, Julie Norman, and Sergei Markov. This episode was produced by Mohamed Elishi, Katya lopez Hodia, Fung Yenguin, Hannah Shakir, and Gemma Harris. Studio sound was by Deepak Pushkaran, and the program was edited by Enurban Sarkar, Zainab Khalid Sultan, and Joe Defrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Friday for our next episode.
3: Coming up on The Take, how will a new ban on what Muslim girls wear in French schools impact students and communities? That's The Take from Al Jazeera. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.